Welcome to Sure Foundation Lutheran Church's podcast channel. The following sermon was preached on May 7th, 2023 on the basis of John chapter 10, verses 1 to 10. Grace and mercy and peace are yours from our good shepherd, our Lord Jesus Christ. Amen. I'm not sure if uh, how many of you are into uh, leadership kind of books or podcasts or lectures or, or, or concepts. Maybe you've, you've accidentally run into a few if that's not an interest of yours. But, but one that you, you might hear as you're reading through, I, I, I imagine this has shown up in several different books that, I, that I've read. I don't know if I can nail down one person who, who's, who was the originator of this advice because it's not really novel advice. But they'll say, uh, surround yourself with three or more people of high character, right? Friends, people that you want to emulate. These are people that, that you respect highly. These are people who, who you see characteristics in their life that you kind of would like to, to grow in those characteristics in your, your own life. These are people whose advice you'd cherish because they have a certain wisdom about them and that's pretty obvious to you. That, that concept is, is not novel, like I said, because it's, it's making use of a well-known truth that you are shaped and molded and influenced by the people that you surround yourself with or the people that you happen to be surrounded with, even if it's not intentional, right? And that can be a really good thing. That's what that leadership principle is talking about. It's saying that if you purposefully do this, you can be shaped and molded in a positive way, influenced in a positive way, but we know a little thing called peer pressure, right? Every parent talks to their high schooler about this or maybe their middle schooler about this, right? Peer pressure, and adults aren't immune to that either, right? It can be a negative thing, these influences around you. We like to think that we're impervious to influences, but no one is. Everyone is shaped and molded and influenced by the people that surround them. You are shaped and molded by the voices that you listen to. So, what voices are you listening to? There's a lot of them out there. Uh, perhaps the ones that are, are the most uh, obvious anyways are, are maybe family and friends. Uh, they're, they're maybe the voices that you listen to, that you talk to the most, that you maybe go to for advice. Uh, it could be the voices of the people that you want to be friends with, right? It, it could be the, the voices of the media that you consume for, whether it be for information or for entertainment. There are all kinds of different voices out there. And some of them are good, but not all of them are good. Some of those voices really don't care anything about the truth. Uh, some of those voices don't care anything about you. Some of those voices claim to be wisdom, but are devoid of anything that is actually wisdom. But you might ask, who gets to decide that? Who gets to decide what, what is truly wisdom and what is not wisdom? Is wisdom in the mind of the beholder? Well, no, I hope not. That'd be chaos, right? We'd, we'd kind of go be going back in time. You know, there's nothing new under the sun. If you were to, to go back home and read the book of Judges you'd find there was a time like that. The book of Judges is summed up very well in one of the verses from Judges where it said, everyone did as they saw fit in their own eyes. Everyone 
was their own arbiter of truth, right? Uh, history tends to repeat itself a little bit, right? You've maybe heard something similar like that today. You have your truth, I have my truth, everybody has their own truth. That is chaos. If everything is truth, well then nothing is truth, right? And now we're starting to sound like philosophers, right? But we're starting to get the point. There has to be one source of objective truth that governs all things. So not everyone can have the, their own truth, right? So could I personally be the, the, the one who is the source of that wisdom, the source of that truth? Well, if you're honest in your reflection, and I can say this about myself for sure, that's not me. I am not the source of all wisdom or the source of all truth because a lot of times I'm governed by my emotions or I'm governed by um, uh, impure motives. So, so maybe that one's off the table. It is the source of wisdom and truth then the opinion of the majority? A true democratic effort. Well, if you step in history a little bit, you know that that's also not true. Just because a majority thinks one thing does not make that truth, does not make that wisdom. So how do we find what is truth? How do we find what wisdom, what true wisdom is? Well, let's step into our text from John chapter 10 today. Here's a little bit of the context of John chapter 10, the Good Shepherd chapter of the Bible. I'm sure you've heard it before, but the context is important. So we're going to have to go back two chapters, actually, to get the context. Jesus is in Jerusalem, and he's celebrating the festival of the tabernacles, or the festival of booths, as it's sometimes called. And he went to Jerusalem with the expressed intention to remain under the radar. <laughs> he, he, it was not his time yet. He did not want to cause a stir. But where Jesus goes, and because of his miracles and the following that he had, had already attained by that point, it was kind of hard to, for him to get away from crowds. It, it's about halfway through the festival, and, and Jesus finds himself teaching in the synagogue in front of a group of, of people. And this teaching is what's in, included in John chapter 8. In this teaching, Jesus uh, talks in some very uh, direct ways about his origins, where he came from. He had kind of stayed away from that for a little bit. He he had done miracles, he he had taught things, but he hadn't made specific claims of being God because he knew that that would rile the Pharisees up. That would rile the Pharisees up and his time would come even quicker, right? So as Jesus goes on his ministry, he makes more and more of those claims until the Pharisees put him to death for that. So in John chapter 8, he says, I have come from the Father. You can trust my testimony because I have come from the Father. And he culminates that in the end of John chapter 8 when he says, before Abraham was born, I am. The Pharisees are are really upset about this because he's making a claim to his divinity here. He's saying that he's eternal, that he existed before even Abraham existed. And he's even saying that he's greater than Abraham in that respect. And that is blasphemy to the Pharisees. They're about ready to stone him. When Jesus is able to sneak out of the synagogue, whether that was a little bit of help from the Father or, or he was just a sneaky like that, Jesus got away. And he goes out of the synagogue, and somewhere outside the synagogue, he runs across this blind man. 
that we hear in John chapter 9. And he heals the blind man. This is awesome. This guy had been blind from birth, and now, he's, now he can see for the first time in his life. But the Pharisees are upset at this, too. They just won't quit because Jesus healed this man on the Sabbath, and you're not supposed to work on the Sabbath. And that all culminates at the end of John chapter 9 with this scene of, of this man who was formerly blind standing before Jesus, and the Pharisees are there listening to all of this. And this man makes his confession of Jesus as his Savior and his Lord at that time. And so you have this man who was formerly physically blind, now he can see. He was formerly spiritually blind, but now he can see. He can see that Jesus is his Savior, his Lord. And Jesus turns to the Pharisees, and I'm going to paraphrase here, but he says, you can physically see, but you are spiritually blind. Again, that probably doesn't make the Pharisees too happy, right? That's the context leading into John chapter 10. And you notice in the very first words of John chapter 10, he's speaking to the Pharisees. I'm going to read the first five verses again because that's going to kind of be the, the focus of the rest of this sermon here. He says, Very truly I tell you, Pharisees, anyone who does not enter the sheep pen by the gate but climbs in by some other way is a thief and a robber. The one who enters by the gate is the shepherd of the sheep. The gatekeeper opens the gate for him, and the sheep listen to his voice. He calls his own sheep by name and leads them out. When he has brought out all his own, he goes on ahead of them, and his sheep follow him because they know his voice. But they will never follow a stranger. In fact, they will run away from him because they do not recognize a stranger's voice. An agricultural community understood that immediately, right? Uh, maybe some of you have a connection to a farm and you, you at least know what sheep are, right? Um, you all know what sheep are. Uh, but in case you're not a first century Palestinian shepherd, let me explain a little bit. A Palestinian shepherd, here's what their day consisted of. They would lead the sheep out of the pen, out into the fields to graze, during the day, and they'd likely have a lot of workers with them to corral the sheep, depending on how, how many sheep they had, right? To protect them from any predators that, that might try to attack while they're out in the open field. And then at night, a lot of times, they'd bring them back into the, the pen at night so that they're contained, so that there, there maybe only needs to be one person manning that, that gate, making sure that the sheep are in there, um, and making sure that they're, they're safe. Because there's all kind of predators that, that want to get at these sheep. Not just the wild animals out in the field, but the thieves and the robbers who want to steal the sheep while they're in the pen. Because this is a commodity, an economic commodity at the time, right? If I can steal some sheep, this is good for me. And so they, they need to be protected from that. The pen kind of protected them from that, but the, the shepherd would also ultimately protect them from the thieves and the robbers. Now, of course, Jesus is using this as a great metaphor to teach his people. Jesus is the shepherd, God, or God is the shepherd, and, and his followers are his, his sheep. And his followers, Christians, have a lot of predators after them, too. Have a lot of predators that are trying to pull them away from their good shepherd. But in the metaphor, it's pretty obvious, isn't it? When he's talking about the sheep in the pen, he's saying, how do you recognize who the thief and the robber is? They're the one that doesn't go through the gate, right? 
They're the ones that climb over it any other way to try to get into the pen, to try to steal the, the sheep. If they're not coming through the gate, then they're not the shepherd, right? Then they're a thief or a robber. Now, why does this matter? Why is this significant for us? Well, Jesus kind of mixes the metaphor here, right? Jesus is our good shepherd, but a little bit later he also says, I am the gates too, right? So let's connect those, let's connect those thoughts. How can you tell if you're listening to the voice of a thief and a robber? Is the voice that you are listening to advocating for a different way to heaven than through the gates, than through Jesus? Is the voice that you're listening to taking Jesus out of the equation altogether or obscuring him in some way? Is the voice you are listening to denying Jesus or denying part of what Jesus said? Are they directly or indirectly attacking Jesus? If so, this isn't the voice of your good shepherd, but of course the voice of a thief and a robber. Now, if you're the Pharisees listening to this, you're probably getting worked up again, right? This guy just won't leave us alone. He keeps talking about us. Because, of course, the thief and the robber that he's talking about are the Pharisees. These, these Pharisees, they, they advocated for a religion that excluded Jesus altogether. They didn't believe in Jesus. They didn't want anybody else to believe in him either. They were thieves and robbers trying to steal these sheep away from the good shepherd. Now, we maybe don't have it quite as easy as those people back then, right? Because we don't have anybody walking around with signs on their head that say Pharisees. Or thieves and robbers, right? So how do you identify a thief and a robber? Well, the same way, right? And sometimes it's obvious. If someone's advocating for a different way to heaven than through Jesus, they're a thief or a robber. And that's obvious, right? This is maybe a different belief system, a different worldview, something like that. Uh, maybe they're denying Jesus altogether, right? They're, they're pretty easy to recognize. But don't think they're, they're not dangerous, just because they're obvious doesn't make them any less dangerous. A lot of times, these voices prey on the doubts of Christians. A lot of times, these voices use a Christian's compassion, even, against them. These voices are, are convincing. They, they sound even logical, but their goal is to pull the sheep away from their shepherd, to be thieves and robbers. Now, other times, those, those voices are a little more subtle. They're a little craftier. They're maybe not excluding Jesus altogether. They're maybe not advocating for a completely different belief system or worldview. But sometimes the voices would just be happy with one tiny small step away from the Good Shepherd. One tiny small step away from the truth. They might try to pull you away from the truth by, by praying on something that you might consider a, a, a less important doctrine or teaching. But if, if they can do that, they've pulled you one step closer to them and one step further away from your good shepherd. Because here's the truth. Every little bit of false doctrine undermines Jesus. Every little bit of false doctrine is a corrosive evil that threatens your faith. And you may look at it, you may say, this isn't really that big of a deal, right? You may look at it, you may not understand how this connects to Jesus and salvation, how this somehow threatens Jesus 
and salvation. But even a step away from the least of the teachings of the Bible is a step away from your good shepherd. And those thieves and those robbers, Jesus says what their intent is. Their intent is to steal, to kill, and destroy. They don't care about the sheep. They want to steal, kill, and destroy. And that's not what the shepherd wants for his sheep. The shepherd wants his sheep to listen to his voice. Not as a dictator forcing you to do so, not as a manipulative car salesman trying to get you to, to, to listen to him. No. Your good shepherd is, wants you to listen to him because he loves you wholeheartedly and he wants what is best for you. And those aren't just mere words to him, but he, he put that into action. What, what kind of shepherd would lay down his life for his sheep? Your good shepherd would. He laid down his life to save his sheep, and he did. He saved you. He saved you by dying on the cross. Because Jesus, he's not trying to win an argument, right? That's not what the truth is to him. The truth isn't, I'm going to convince you because I want to be right, kind of truth. Jesus wants to, to win souls. He could care less about the argument. He wants souls. He says, I have come that they may have life and have it to the full. That's what he wants for his sheep. And that's what his voice gives you. It gives you life to the full, a regenerated soul, a soul bound for heaven. At the beginning of the, the sermon, I, I brought up that leadership principle, right? Um, surround yourself with three or more people of high character. Well, how do you tell who has high character and, and who doesn't? Well, it should be pretty obvious, right? You, you can tell by the way that somebody lives their life, right? That is, their, that is proof to you that this is a person worth emulating, that this is a, a person who I can trust their advice, right? How much more would you trust someone who was willing to give up his life for you? That, that he was, loved you so much, that he was willing to go that far just to, to save you. You're going to be able to trust him in everything, right? Because you know he's the source of truth. He wouldn't die if it weren't the truth. And you know that he cares for you. And if you are shaped and molded by the voice of your good shepherd, you are shaped and molded by the power of the Holy Spirit. If you are shaped and molded by the, the good shepherd, you are shaped and molded by wisdom that is truly wisdom. So here's the encouragement walking away from this good shepherd Sunday today. What voices are you listening to? Maybe go home and actually think about that and evaluate some of those voices that you are, are listening to and be honest with yourself. Uh, are they in line with your good shepherd? Are they in line with the word of God? And if they're not, if they're not in line, if they're advocating for something else, if they're threatening your faith, get rid of them. Get rid of them. You are not impervious to those influences. Get them out of your life. How do you know what is in line with the good shepherd's voice? What's in, in line with his word? Well, the best way to know is know what's in his word. Not just what you think is in his word, not just what you want to be in his word, what's actually in his word, what he actually says. Because I promise you that the voice of your good shepherd 
will only serve to, to benefit your, your heart, your mind, and your soul. And that voice of your good shepherd in his word will give you life to the full. Amen. Hi there, Pastor Wilkie here. Thanks for listening to this week's sermon. Uh, if you like the content that we're putting out as a church, could you do us a favor and could you hit subscribe wherever you're listening to this podcast? That helps us get seen by more people more often so that more people will hear about Jesus. Uh, we hope you enjoyed today and, and we hope you tune in again next week for another sermon.